Let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor, Petrolbox. Petrolbox is a monthly service made specifically for the automotive enthusiast. Each month, they carefully select items including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, and publications to be sent right to your doorstep. It's a curated selection of the latest and greatest gear in the industry. And there's actually two different levels of subscription to choose from. You have the Petrobox Basic, which costs less than 20 bucks a month, and the Petrobox Premium, which gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. Be sure to check them out at mypetrolbox.com and use the code OVERCREST at checkout to get $6 off your first month. Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris and Jake is not here. He's taking the day off, but I am joined by a legend, Mr. Big Mike. What's going on, man? What's up, Chris and everyone? It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Welcome to Minneapolis. Thank you, man. St. Paul, Minneapolis. We did that uh, the little tour today. Yeah. And I thought it was super cool, man. I mean, I, I live for that kind of thing. Simple moments of culture and community and sights and history and food and whatnot. It's great, man. That, that right there is why I do an extra day to three or four whenever I travel anywhere. You have to. You have to, man. There's just so much cool stuff to look at as simple as that sounds and and i try to make sure to do that so you picking me up and us driving together it just made it that much better because the conversation and, and the memories that are going to be ingrained because of it but yeah sometimes i'm you know just walk you know i know how to use this thing called the internet where I like google things yeah i look up sites museums parks. and then you put your feet on the ground and yeah, go look and, at them and i oddly walk places and stuff so <laughs> you know honestly man today was really good uh the whole twin cities thing the um the midwest this section i should say because i've you know i've been to chicago yeah quite this is a lot different than the chicago sure, minneapolis sure, absolutely yeah and so so the opportunity to to be a part of this event this coming weekend by drive cartel and the modest show and, and be integrated into it as one of the three judges and i'm going to be on a a live q a session yeah during the event etc cetera, etc cetera. when that opportunity arose uh you know this region of the country their community style culture way of building specific context of automotive um, it's very invaluable to me to be able to be able to experience things. So, but my question first. is, is why you're from, you're from Los Angeles, California. I'm from Southern California. SoCal, yeah. SoCal, SoCal, SoCal guy. Yeah. Why are these guys having you come up here and do this? And I guess this is kind of a roundabout way of me asking, who are you? But what, what is it about you that would make them want to fly you out here to judge a show? What, what is that all about? I think that. The only people who could answer that accurately would be the individual companies that hire me to do exactly that and or more um, because I think every one of those people who are able to elaborate and articulate what it is that they have retained or been impressed by, if you will, or uh, what reputation or resume uh, that they have heard or experienced or read about or saw or what photographed or whatever. I actually think that that sort of varies. If you really think about it, it's kind of like we're all connected via the World Wide Web and social media, but everyone's explore page is substantially different than the person next to them. Sure. So 
in the context. A lot of times it kind of boils down to boobs and cars, though. I mean, it does for seem most to, guys. I actually think that I would yeah, like it. I think to, that's how it. How I it think is, that would be the the more healthy stereotype because there's a lot of other really random shit on the internet. Sure. And if I if someone was like, "Hey," and they hit the explore button of their IG next to me, and it was something, I like to see. So for mine, you're gonna see basketball, car. I mean, it's like seventy nine percent car of anything thumbnail you could imagine. Yep. Then there's some basketball stuff because I, you know. You just look up one or two things, watch a highlight, and it's you, on, you know, it's on yeah. there. And uh, there are there are definitely going to be, um, you know, the AI that that connects cars with with uh, a woman like bent over a hood. Yep, that's always. all it takes. So there's going to be a splatter of that. Oh, you're male. You like cars. You also here. Let me for sure. It's almost like if you were at a restaurant and you, they brought you out something. You're like, wow, this tastes really good. And they go, I've got the thing for you. And right. the guy runs off into the right. back and brings you out like some yeah. like some secret sauce that's you know. Yeah, but you know the thing about it is, is like it's it, you know we're, we're kind of like making fun of the, the whole thing, but at the same time, I've been in the automotive industry so long that many of the um, most established, most known, current, or even phasing out because they're moving into other realms of business uh, mo- import models. I know them personally, mm-hmm. or to some degree, have have known them. I know people in their circle, whatever, whatever. So that that connection alone, because they follow me or I, I may have followed them or we comment every so rare off. It's something like that. That's all it takes. You know, how right. the, you know how the algorithm works. So anyways, um, so back to, you know, your question about, I feel like the, the, the one or two or five main reasons why this company that's small, this company that's huge, like all over the country or even worldwide, and then uh, an up and coming company. So you're ranging from major to quite minor, um, why do they have they do they reach out to me to host their event to just appear at the event i honestly uh would say that we should ask them because i i think the answer would have either very simple and minor differences ranging to um ones that are far more they're far more intangible so reputation is an intangible sure right? If somebody reveres you because of your reputation, how is that tangible? It's very much, it's almost aura and vibe and, and whispers. Yeah, it's very enigmatic for sure. Right? So I think there's a lot of that. Uh, um, and then there's also ones where you just type in Big Mike Car or Big Mike Prelude or Big Mike magazine or whatever right. these keywords that sort of resonate with people, SEMA or something, and you're going to get all that. So that's why I said it earlier about you, you, we'd have to ask them because there are many people who associate with, uh, I've deduced that it's almost entirely from SEMA related stuff, like my success when I was a part of Battle of the Builders and then the subsequent, you're on a Velocity channel when when that was what it was and up there with like the Ring Brothers and, and just, you know, Roadster Shop and these, you know, incredibly established, highly respected hot rod builders well i want to talk about battle of builds and your prelude and stuff like that yeah. i want to touch on that but i want to find i want to go like a little farther back yes yeah, so and when we were sitting on the couch over here you you talked about kind of growing up and you maybe were getting into stuff some stuff that you shouldn't have gotten into when you were yeah. a kid yeah. you know some some activities whatever however i don't know how deep you want to get into it but how did that kind of shift into being into cars or was it kind of one in the same thing you know growing up in that environment well I think that they were um, integrated in their own kind of way. 
So everyone has their stereotype, right? So whether, uh, you know, like you said, for example, I'm from L.A. I'm not from L.A. Uh, I'm from Southern California, but I'm far from L.A. And I've never been from L.A. From That's weird. Like being from here, everybody, everything no, always no. kind of gets boiled I down. Get it. Do, even people who are from Northern California, if you're from Southern California, they would say L.A. Because that's just the reference point. Right, right. And people, even people from Southern California, I mean, you know, California is humongous. But even people from Southern California, if someone says I'm from NorCal, they're like, oh, you mean the Bay Area, like the San Francisco Bay Area. That's kind of what people do. And I get that. I'm not offended by it at all. It's like anyone from anywhere other than Southern California kind of just, oh, you're from SoCal, you're from L.A. Right. And and it's not a big deal to me, but, yeah, it would be like, you know, it would it would be pretty, pretty uh, standard. It's pretty standard. Okay. So, anyways, um, yeah, you know what? Um, so there's certain people who are going to be aware of the way – in that early mid '90s, the way gang and car culture were purposely, inadvertently. I'm not. I'm not trying to explain yeah, it to me. Like or, how or organically, they're going to be integrated. Like why? What was well, the? Let's take something like let's go to a different realm, like um, lowrider car culture, right? So that's L.A. That's deep seated Mexican American roots in the Los Angeles and Southern California area. That's generational gang membership. That's you're raised with your uncles and your father. And if you go now 2021, some of those people are third generation gang members. Okay. Right. Now, we don't need to talk about the, the morality or the ethics of it. We're just talking about the reality of it. Right. You grew up in a certain area. Everyone's from one neighborhood and gang or couple within that realm. And it's it's familial for many people. It's actually familial. It's not even a choice because when you we always say we don't choose our family, right? Are right? in the same way? Do you not choose that that lifestyle? I mean, it's just kind of so. Who you, I'm just using the, an example, kind of where we were. For me, it was different. I chose it. Okay, I did not grow up in a tenement housing projects, uh, you know, government assistant, just terrible neighborhood in which it was like you have to kill or be killed. There are people who are raised in an environment, whether it's from the East Coast to the West Coast, the South, it doesn't matter. If you are raised in an environment where it is crowded and dangerous and people are clawing to, to get out of the barrel, yep. that's different, okay? And so I, would, I have never and would never say that that was my experience because I did not grow up like that. I, for various reasons that one could decide to do, a, you know, Psych 101 and, you know, just kind of break it, break yourself down in retrospect by a textbook or whatever, you could kind of come up with some reasons. But I chose to go into a lifestyle that I wasn't born into. Why? Why so, did you do that? What was the catalyst so for you that? Could, you could totally say uh, from uh, dysfunctional and unhealthy family dynamics, I think would just be a nice broad brushstroke that would really kind of cover the bases truthfully. And then you just find yourself into something. Some people, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a vice, an escape, if you want to call it a phase, you could, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. But when you, um, when you pick something, some people pick drugs, man. I mean, look at the new generation of, of rap, right? All they're all on drugs, right? It's all about drugs. And, and I'm not even trying to say if that's right or wrong, but there was a big difference. There's like a joke in hip hop about it. It's like, my generation is different than yours. We were a generation of drug dealers. You guys are a generation of drug users. Because mm -hmm. the content, just listen to what people are talking about predominantly. So that's kind of this thing. But so the why is that? That broad stroke there, I think, honestly covers it. 
there's just a variety of, of uh, dysfunctionalities and, and traumas and things like that. And, and people go around. Some people pick alcohol. Some people pick drugs, right? And they start tweaking or they start So the cliche weed. then would be is that you chose the gang because as a, as a basically a substitute for your family. Um, I suppose that that would be a fair psych 101 right. kind of. Just like the, sure. the baseline is that, sure. is that you did that. Did it, did it work? Did it fulfill that for you? Did you find solace in, in that place? Um, I, I would say as, as a person who I'm talking about presently at this exact moment and at this time of my life, who very consciously pays attention to, uh, others around me, the world around me, I'm, I'm, I'm an empath. I'm very sentimental. I'm like a deeply observant and emotional human being. And I keep that all within myself because I'm about the most charismatic introvert that you will meet. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier. I'm predominantly dolo, as they say it, right? What's dolo? A dolo like by yourself. Okay. Right? So knowing a lot of people and having a lot of people know you is entirely different than being close to a lot of people. Sure. Okay. So anyways, um, the the idea the idea when I look back now, right, as, as a person who consciously chooses to to remain cultured or grow myself as a person, right? Whether you do that in reading a book and now in the digital era, you can be quite cultured without ever flipping paper. You can choose to use the World Wide Web to read all kinds of things, right? We kind of think that it's TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, and, and Facebook, and YouTube, and that's the internet, and that is the most asinine, yeah, it's like like, this, tunneled thing ever. Because it's like the shittiest veneer of something correct. great ever. It is the yeah. World Wide Web. Like, all information in human history is available in milliseconds, Isn't right? Ridiculous. So, I'm yeah, going to crazy. Houston next month, and I, I remember, I don't remember what I was looking for, but I decided to not use another search word and just literally, in Google, type in Houston and just push enter just to see what would pop up right and I remember it saying something like uh, 540 million uh, in, uh, like pieces of information you know at the top under yeah. the Google and it said 0.69 seconds <laughs> so in for Houston and related to Houston it was 540 million search results and it took point Six, nine seconds. If you clicked every one of those and read only one minute, it would take you, someone do the math, 540 million, right? Yeah. It's like how many hundreds and thousands of lifetimes, right? Right. And that's about Houston. Right. So what if you looked up politics? What if you looked up history? I mean, history of what? Your country, history of your people. I mean, the way one can educate themselves instead of watching potentially underage girls dance on TikTok. Yeah. You should, we should do that. Okay. Like people should do that. So that aside, yeah, yeah. So that aside. So, you know, what I'm trying to say is, is like, I don't know what other people's journey through life is like because they can have more money than you and I. They could have less money than you and I, but they could be far happier. They could be far more educated and cultured. They could have a much, a much more enriched perspective because that's what they're choosing to do internally. Or they could be wealthy and unhappy. And and the rat race, and they made how many millions? In, whether it's crypto or whether it's real estate, and they they can't see that they have more than their family and their grandparents before them, and enjoy it. 
they just need to make more. Well, maybe that's their substitute for whatever was missing in their family. Perhaps. You know, right, so perhaps. That's... So I'm not trying to take away from them that there isn't someone who's consciously chosen to grind for the first 30 years so they can retire when they're like 45. What I'm not saying everyone is is not aware of what they're doing. What I'm trying to say is is like you and I could could be in the same place and have the same circumstances and life is going to be a very, very different experience because of what is going on in our own heads. Sure. And people, I think, somehow believe that that's a passive statement and they are almost passengers in the journey of their own life. That is what I believe is happening to a lot of people. They are basically victims to circumstance and they are victims to the media. So whatever... Whatever picture the media is painting of whatever story at that time, whether it's because of a lack of, of want, uh, a lack of critical thinking skill, they're sheeple. You could go in any direction you want, but people are effectively allowing themselves to be victims to their circumstances. Well, did that happen to you when you, you know, kind of went off on the gang world, well, gang life? Were I, you victims of your circumstance? I went and sought it out. So in that sense, that's the opposite of a victim. Right, right, but you still could be a victim of the circumstance that provides you with a with a choice or a lack thereof, a lack of choice. Like if you're pre presented with a binary or maybe three or four choices of what to do in your life, and two of them are caused because of the situation that you're in, sure, then you might be a victim of it just based on the choices that you're given. Sure, sure. So I'm just asking, were you a victim of your situation when you ended up, you know, getting into the gang life? I don't think that I would ever say it that way. Me. Right. I, I went and did that. I went and surrounded myself with people that had a certain mentality, a certain way of being, a certain way of talking, a certain way of dressing, a certain way of behaving. Uh, their response to things was violence. And so my response to things was violence. Uh, what have I taken from that? I've taken from that that uh, I do believe that people need to be able to defend themselves, whether that be mentally, emotionally, physically. Uh, spiritually, conceptually, um, and that's a whole that's a whole different conversation. Right. But you know, like there are people who are very anti-violence, just off of principle, and I actually totally respect that, just off of principle. But uh, do I believe that there is a time where, if you do not do something that could very much fall under the definition of the term violent, there will be violence done upon you if you don't. What do you decide to do? Is that because you put yourself in the situation in the first place, though, by the choice that ah, you made? So that's exactly why that? I said I would never call myself a victim in that era, mm -hmm. right? In that era. It, you know, but it, this is where you can start to get very gray, right? Because, like, if a woman wears something that's fashionable and stylish and small or short, is she then a victim if she went to the wrong place or dressed the wrong way, like people will tell you, fuck no, right? Mm -hmm. You can do whatever you want. You shouldn't be attacked, right? So I've heard the argument in so many different versions because if I dress a certain way, right? I being not just me literally, but just think about this to the listeners. If you dress a certain way and you go someplace and people think you are a certain way, is that your fault or is that theirs? I'm not going to give you an answer to that. I think that's up to each person. So it's a very easy example with a woman because everyone's going to be like, she could wear whatever the hell she wants. That doesn't mean she deserves to be attacked. And that's damn right. But does that work in any other context? So if you go to an area where everyone's wearing red and you wear blue, is it their fault or is it yours that you got attacked? Mm -hmm. Okay. So double standard, gray area, ambiguous, 
I don't know. But what I'm saying is, is like kind of like what we were talking about before is people need to be able to answer those questions for themselves. Even if the answer is, I don't know what my answer is, because that is a far more well thought out, intelligent statement when someone actually engages themselves, even for a millisecond to say, you know what? I don't know. And I respect people who say, I don't really know right now. I need to think about that. Right. Because people are just answering or regurgitating or or just they'll send you a meme or a gif right. as their answer. And I'm like, is that you or is that status quo pop culture at this time? Right. So at this time, when you let you've you've moved out of the house, you've you've joined you need to move out of the house. You, you joined the gang. Did you get what you wanted out of it? What you were seeking that you were missing? Did it fulfill you? Did it? Did it do what you thought it would do in hindsight? In hindsight, no. At the, at time, the time, did you think it did? At the time, uh, you know, like with any kind of tunnel. Can you get into any specifics about what you were doing? Well, I don't mind, but but really, um, the the specifics, in my humble opinion, don't really change anything. That's why I'm not doing that. It isn't about it isn't about uh, having like an open case or something mm-hmm. like that. It isn't that, and and I'm not being uh, evasive. On purpose. That's not I just a, think it gives an interesting contrast because knowing you now and yeah. the time I've spent with you, which hasn't been a lot, sure. you're very insightful. You think a lot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the whole name of your whole thing is Think Bigger Project, right? right. And I think you do. I think you embody that 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 uh, that statement of think bigger. And you're always analyzing and, 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 and being very insightful. And I don't, and I think back of a, of a young boy who's, you know, doesn't really feel well at home goes out and finds a new family doesn't necessarily always you don't always think that person's going to turn out to be an insightful person sure. so i'm just trying to understand the foundation of who you are trying to understand how you go from that place to somebody who is very insightful and looking at the world in a colorful way you know i i don't really know if i know because as far as i can remember i've always been like this now if you turn the music up loud enough right both conceptually figuratively or literally you can drown out your own thoughts and that's a whole different thing because if you really think about it this is what i believe people do with drugs this is what i believe people do with music what people do with pop culture whether you're super hardcore into sports into uh uh, reality tv stars youtubers whatever people turn up the volume of something and or someone else to drown out their own thoughts and that's why there are so many people, I, I believe, who don't know what to do or what to think. And so that's why they are able to be turned into followers of a political viewpoint, a religious viewpoint. Uh, this is, I think, is the conceptual foundation. And no, I'm, I don't have a psychology degree, <laughs> but this is what people, if you watch documentaries, this is what they tell you is the reason why people join cults. Because when a cult member does something that, that we on the outside are like, yo, that shit is crazy, but they weren't crazy to start with. Right. They got transformed or their mind was in a place where they got taken in by a, a person or an ideology that... In the end, you're just like, what the fuck were they doing? But in the beginning, it was presented and painted in a way that that captivated. I think that many bad things that have happened in history uh, have ended up that way with a lot of regular people doing some pretty bad things. Correct. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, the to tie it all in, in the sense of, you know, I think I was always like this. And if you are uh, around 
loud enough things and loud enough people, figuratively. Did you not want to be that person? Did you think that person was weak? What was uh, the, no, I mean, at, at which the per, the thinking person? Yeah. Did you think that, were you putting that person? You know, were you piling a bunch of stuff on top of that person so you didn't have to deal with what you were doing? Like, was that person not okay with who you were becoming? Or what was the reason that you were piling all the blankets on top of who you were? Uh, for me, uh, I don't really think that I was running away or piling blankets in that sense because I was aware of it and I didn't suppress that. So even when I was, you know, running around, being around some pretty bad people and, and, and so on and so forth, um, I still had pretty good grades, right? So, for for example, I didn't think it was cool to ditch school and then I have you know fail and have to get a GED or something. That was like I I, I just went to school and graduated, right? Now, don't get me wrong, I switched schools like four times because <laughs> I either got kicked out or had to leave before I was about to get kicked out, right? And at one point, I did not believe I was going to graduate on time because of those. Of shenanigans and the consequences of uh but um i did so anyways my to answer your question is like i wasn't trying to drown myself out because even in retrospect i was always thinking and in because of that i ended up becoming the person that people started asking uh what started off as advice from and then turned into permission okay so even in that realm because i thought and it became evident that i was a thinking person and because I carried myself with a certain, I suppose, amount of uh, intelligence or at least carried myself in a way, it made other people at one point start to ask my opinion, which then turned to advice, which at some point with some people evolved into permission. So that's a sort of hierarchical. Did you, did that scare you? Did you feel okay with that? I mean, because uh, that has gravity, especially in the situation where yes, you're in, in the environment yes, that you're in there. If yes. you're the one granting permission, you're the one giving advice. It's a very dangerous ladder to climb. Right. It's a I very mean, dangerous ladder. So did set that scare you? Were you okay with it? it did you, did it, you embrace it? Did you shun it? Well, okay. So I started very young as far as like, you know, that type of lifestyle and, and being uh, attracted to it and then going to go try to live it and whatnot, gangs and whatnot. Um, I started very young, and, and because of that, I also ended very young. So that's a very different thing because if I kept going, if you will, whatever that would have entailed, right, there's only two ways you really end up out of that type of lifestyle, and it's in prison or you're dead, right? Um, there are some exceptions, but not really, right? Especially when you're the type of person who wants to be the best at whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, <laughs> that's a very dangerous thing to want to excel at. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I uh, believe in hindsight that I would have, I'd be in prison or I'd be dead or or harmed in some permanent fashion, which I know people who are, you know. So so um, it, it was early and ended early, uh, but you know, kind of to jump jump back, the cult automotive culture. Yeah, so, how does that tie in? That's so what I, I was so I ask. Yeah, so you know, like I, I use an example of like Mexican American lowrider culture, right? So I tied that in. There's in areas of L.A., for example, you have generations of areas where it's predominantly uh, African-American and then Mexicans. Right. So black, Mexican, black and brown, blah, blah, blah. And then blue and red within those and all these different subsets of cultures. But but the cars like in the south, you have donks. Right. And then you have 
uh, low riders, which is very stereotypically West Coast. And then, then, you know, of course, now there's the evolution of everything. There's trucks and then there's mini trucks, but then there's big trucks. And then there's, you know, so anyways, my point is for, for me in, in Southern uh, question. Yes. If you're in a gang and your gang all drives X, are you allowed to drive Y? It, it doesn't quite work that way. Yeah, so, that's so what I was like, like, are you like, you're pigeonholed into driving the lowrider? That's what you got. Well, Even if you really you love. You wouldn't be pigeonholed because you, especially if you're young, you're going, you are evolving and curating, even if you don't know you're doing it. To like something. Right. You already like it. It's you in are your blood. You either already like it or you are, that's the, the era or when you're being, you're moldable. So right. if you're 12 and everyone you're around drives X, it's That's very like. rare that a 12-year-old's like, I don't like any of these. Those are like the, the Elon Musks of the world that they're already <laughs> kind of like, you know, self, you know, independent and self, self like curating, right? Yeah. So anyways, um, so for, for you have the stereotype of um, lowrider uh, Mexican gang culture, right? Yep. Kind of integrated. So it's the same thing with like Asian gangs. Right, so in Southern California, for example, just to, to bring in like import tuners, right, yep. uh, which is kind of your world, basically, right? as as it's referred but you're, to. You're now. not Asian, though. I, I'm actually, I am actually. Are Asian. you? Okay. But look, I'm born and raised in America. Yeah. I'm American. Right. Okay. I, and I mean, I think people. I've actually got into arguments with people who are like, "Come on, what are you really?" And I'm like, "I'm not asking you as a white person. What are you really?" So when do we stop well, asking people? That's kind of what I was wondering is because you don't seem like you just seem like a, a dude. And I would if I had my eyes closed, I would just it would be tough to tough to say. Right. You wouldn't right, right. you wouldn't know. But then you were also talking about, well, Mexicans drive these and these people drive these. And and I was just wondering if that had any influence at all on in, in your import world. Well, this, sure. I think I think they all influenced each other to some degree, whether people acknowledge it or not. I mean, if you have driven by and seen a a lowrider car meet or a donk car meet or a car show or you see a hypercar or a supercar in, I don't know, since we're using Southern California references like Beverly Hills or something, even if you don't go back and try to draw it and remember what it was, it has influenced you on some level. Sure. Right? Especially so, as a 12-year-old boy. Exactly, right? So yeah. so you have the, the, the you know, 64 ragtop Impala on Dayton wheels on hydraulics. That's your stereotype of low rider Mexican car building, right? Okay, yep. that's just, that's a stereo. I'm not anyone's over here getting triggered. Like we don't all do that. Like that's not what I'm saying. I'm I don't know. To... When I watch Gin and Juice, a music video, I okay, mean, well, Doctor that... Dre's driving a low rider Impala with Dayton. He absolutely is. I was getting. Is it to like that. an appropriation or is it? No, like... no. That's what I'm talking about. The whole LA thing with black and brown in certain yeah. neighborhoods. You're separated by a street. So lowrider culture isn't just Mexican. I, that's why I keep using the word stereotype. Yeah. Because there's always more to it than that. But yes, in that area, that was L.A. car culture. So ragtop, hardtop. Oh, I like 64 and a half. I want a 65. I want a 72. I want a Bel Air. I want a, you see what I'm saying? Right. So that, that was the era of American classic cars. Now, is it a restoration style? Like that's that. Like presently we have the world of it's all restoration. And then you have hot rotting, right? Mm -hmm. So you have the builds where it takes like a, a caddy body from the 70s and they put all the luxuries and the amenities and, you know, this crazy custom car building, right? Whether it's taking a frame or a body and putting it on an older one or, or, or straight like custom metal coach building where it's like you're designing the car 
and 725 hours later and $2 million, they have formed it and created it. So basically we're having the execution of what the person wants is what's defining the culture of the car. Because if you look at like the old music videos and, you know, uh, in, on the West Coast, there's not a lot of engraving. There's not a lot of wild paint on the on the rappers' that, cars. Yeah, but that was all happening. Yeah, I know. But was that that was a different culture that was doing that, right? I mean, you know, who what? knows? I, I, yeah, the rappers like like from that area, right? You know, I don't know how far they were getting into the car building, or if it was just part of what their art team or homies were like. Let's put this in a music video. Right. So I never really yeah, got just... into that, right? But but what I'm saying is, is like, so you have the black and the brown in that sense, right? doing all these American classic cars in a lowrider gangster style. That's what it was. And then so and then with the Asian gangs and gangsters, they were driving Japanese cars. Okay? And I'm not talking about Japanese people driving Japanese cars. I'm talking about like it was Hondas and Acuras and Nissans and so on and so forth. And so people Any were, Zuzu Troopers out there? I think um, driving not, Zuzu Troopers. Not at my time. Okay. <laughs> Uh, were there people doing them? Sure. So, but so you had like a lot of people doing to that were that's my more first. Into, that's my first JDM. Well, that's not. It's just that's an Isuzu Trooper. It's not a JDM. Car. It's not very cool, is it? No, no I no. like them. But you said when you referred to it as as a JDM, that's like a. Well, the Isuzu is a river in Japan. I mean, how? I mean, that's pretty Japanese right there. But that's just the name of the company. I know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so I'm just saying, like, when you say, so I can't say it's my first JDM. No, I would just say it's your first Suzu Trooper. Man. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I mean, well, we'll so, get there. so we'll get saying there. it like that is so. In my stints in in in, in mainstream television and working within television production, yeah, uh, I I realized a long time ago that it's the same thing as what they refer to all of the imports as. They refer to the cars, the car culture, and the people as tuners with a right. capital T. Yep. That's what they refer to it as. And I find that fascinating because in any car culture, tuners are the people who are connecting your car on the dyno and yeah. dyno tuning. Yeah. Like, I got to take my car to the tuner. In Hollywood, they take your car to the tuner and they think it's like you putting uh, your car together uh, uh, like a Honda in the garage and you're the tuner. And it's right. like, no, that's a very so odd difference in, in the, you know, capital T versus lowercase T. It's like, I don't know. But so that was what Asians were predominantly driving. Right. So that's where you end up being. If you're around that, then you're going to see an Acura Vigor or a legend, like a 92 legend. And you're like, holy, that's a drug dealer car. Yeah, I versus, crashed one of those. Okay. But versus <laughs> if you're in another area, someone's going to be driving like a, a Mercedes or something because that is what they aspire as that's like the big daddy car. Right. And the people I, I was around back then, nobody w even thought about that. Because there's no Toyota Crown over here or something. Well, right. Well, right but yeah. there's a there's Mercedes, but yeah. no one wanted that. They wanted a, a, a vigor, a legend. Yep. They wanted something that like that. That was the top of the line. If there here. was a if there was a president, a SEMA, a Celsius, a Soar, then they you know we probably would have wanted those. But they you know we didn't have them here. So so that's where seeing a slammed 92 Integra GSR and I'm and I'm hooked. Seeing a 92 to 95 Civic hatchback, you know the EG that everyone loved. Yep. The first time I saw that like lowered on I don't remember what it was like you know. 30 30 years ago, I'm just like, fuck, that's dope. Right. Right. Versus, man, I, I want a Bel Air. I want a Caddy. I want an Impala. I want a Rad. Why did that, why did that import JDM thing strike you so much differently? Than that's who I was around. So that's just basically by osmosis. 
I would presume so. Yeah. I don't know if anyone can truthfully answer that, but I, I, I suppose uh, organic chance, uh, osmosis, circumstance. Right. If that's just what you're around. If I ended up being around, um, I mean, I, you know, I've been, I have a lot of black homies. I have a lot of all kinds. I could give you all kinds of stereotypes or or categorizations, and they all drive different cars. But then, then I, you could name people who are of this ethnic background and this, but they drive that. They, the ambiguity's always been there, but that's a little bit more recent. It was far more defined, stereotypically speaking, right? Before, right. Now with the internet and everything else, things correct. Have definitely the advent of the internet out. and just being yeah. able to everyone share everything, sure. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Like you didn't really hear about like uh, like black people watching anime, and there's a <laughs> huge anime following for black people. Right. And I'm not even, and, and, and anyone listening, I'm not, I'm not picking on the anime or the black people. I'm talking about just how you would never have had that before. Definitely not in mass, or yeah. you know. And it's very normal now. It's super normal, and that's cool that it's normal. I'm just using that as an example, right? So, so was was the gang that you were in? Were you listening to? I'm trying to date you a little bit. What was was it going to be like? Easy E and Tupac and yeah, just and, just pick your. Uh, so before Tupac was that the but, music? But just pick your your stereotype. Like you pulled the vinyl earlier of the Chronic, right? Yeah. So just pick your your '90s West Coast gangster rap. Yep. Okay, so there's that, and then I I got I ended up getting into hip hop, and I don't even really honestly remember how, but like I started appreciating hip hop, so I was listening to everything from like. Uh, you know, Souls of Mischief, Styles of Beyond. You you mentioned Merce. I mean, that came later, but like, but but I didn't really only stay pigeonholed to to quote unquote West Coast, specifically West Coast gangster rap. Well, the reason I bring it up is because the gangster rap with with that culture, and I'm even hesitant to say blacks. I don't know if that's because I'm a white guy. Okay. I know that I'm not supposed to to say the. Well, I think I think stuff. if you say African Americans, I say African Americans yeah. are driving around low riders listening to gangster rap. I'm thinking the Asians are driving around uh, Hondas or Toyotas or whatever. Or Nissan's driving, any, yeah, yeah, Lexuses, sure. Listening to oh no no, so they they would actually totally listen to uh, gangster rap too. So that's interesting because you say that you know anime is a distinctly Asian at the time. Sure, is a distinctly Asian culture. Yes, and it wasn't really appropriated by anybody. Sure, it was very very niche, and it was if you were a white guy that was doing anime in the early 90s late 80s how how did you find out about this what what corner shop yeah. that you had to go around the corner yeah. and have the little eyelets slide open True, on the door because there was no internet so how did they how find did out it? and how, how did, did they get that engrossed it? in it i don't yeah, know it's don't interesting know. it's interesting but so so you have like the, the conversation about hip hop and car culture and integration into society is like crazy that's a whole different conversation yep. but i started listening to all like you know like uh I, I don't know, let's use something very, very, very notable from that era. Wu-Tang, right? And then individually, Meth and, and Raekwon. And, so what, know, kind, what car are you driving at this time? You're in your car, listening to this stuff, hanging out with your buddies. What are you driving? Uh, let's see. So, well, my first car of any car I ever owned myself was my 92 SI Civic hatchback. Okay? So that was the EG. And then that same car is, uh, I bought that car uh, 2000. Right, so it's 21 years ago, and that car ended up being a car that it was featured in Honda Tuning magazine in its heyday, you know, print, 2005, and then 2008 is when um, I had already had the Prelude. So I had a coupe, I had an EF, I had a, a different CRX, I had a hatchback, I had a few different cars. Uh, I, I focused on the EG, and that one ended up being built, uh, I guess, quote unquote, well enough, or you know, that media and everyone else really loved it. 
hence the the magazine being interested in it um and then i had i had my prelude which everyone kind of pretty much knows me for now all the way in like oh six or seven or something and then around that time um built that and that one ended up making the cover of the magazine in 08 and then to just speed it up 2012 made the cover of of um honda tuning in the u.s and bonsai magazine in the uk which was the uk's largest japanese tuner magazine you know at the same time unheard of i was on the cover my, me sitting on top of my car effectively unheard of they didn't put men you know it was just about cars 2012 2017 i'm on the cover of super street you know i was on another cover of bonsai in the uk when that when that print magazine was still you know top and uh and just and I'm just kind of like picking these like more upper echelon compl- uh, uh, accomplishments. SEMA, my car, Battle of the Builders, becoming a top 10 finalist and, and et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's just one of those things where at a very, uh, you know, we, we spent a lot of time on like the history of it and how and why. And uh, a lot of that is discernible and definable. Yet at the same time, kind of don't really know. It just sort of evolved. Yeah, it's just kind of why it's, it's almost like you're taking a tour through your life mm-hmm. as you're doing it. Like so you just say you like to walk around in a town, like go visit and look around. You don't really know where you're going, but sure. you get to where you are. Yeah. And that's kind of how, how that process with the whole car thing goes. And you say that in 2000, you're driving this SI. Mm-hmm. This is like peak JDM. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we're talking oh, yeah. Fast and the Furious just came out. Okay, well, right there, you're making like a mistake that I must... Okay. okay. I just had to cut you off because, first of all, when you say peak JDM and then you say the Fast and the Furious, I'm like, <laughs> hold on. There's a this is not my world, diff- man. Please yeah. correct me. That, and I am because that, like, don't get, okay, so let me let me make it clear what I'm doing here because. Do you want me to explain why I think this way and then you can oh, tell yes, me how Oh, yes, actually, I? sure. Okay, please, so please from, from a guy who grew up in a small town in Wisconsin. Yes. Okay, and then I think when the Fast and Furious come out, like 2000. I don't know. 1999. It's right in that period okay. of time. That's when I graduated from high school. Okay. I was 18, 19 years old, and I went and I watched this movie, and I just see Hondas all over the place, Mitsubishi, Supra. I'm yeah. like, oh, wow, this is this is tuner culture. This is JDM. So I think immediately that it must have been what inspired a huge amount of growth in SoCal or wherever, that it must this huge uh, media empire that formed out of it that had to have had a massive influence on you at that age driving an SI. That's in my generalization mindset. That's what I think. Okay. And you would be a representative in those statements of probably, unfortunately, in my humble opinion, way more people than I would hope is real, but I acknowledge is real. I don't know how to put a percentage on that. Okay. Some a moron. 95%. Explain, explain it to me. Um, so when that movie came out to try to act like it did not have just the most incredibly massive waves, right. And the stimulation that came out of it from the industry and the explosion of an already existing industry, by the way. Right. Um, that would be foolish. Well, obviously, otherwise they wouldn't have anything to make a movie about if it didn't already exist. So, so like to say, to say that that didn't just explode that. This silly. Of course it did. It shot everything through the roof. I think that's what I mean. Yes, but the integration, like when you say that this is what it must be like because it's in a Hollywood movie, 
when I put it like that, you would be like, okay, well, we all know Hollywood isn't real. Right. But yet, when you say it like that and how almost everyone reacted, and, and to this day, it's got that cult-like following, people will say, I know Hollywood's not real, but that movie must have been. So are you telling me that you've never overnighted any engines from Japan? Okay. So I watched the first <laughs> the first movie, okay? Yeah. And uh, in a movie theater, right? Um, so did I. I remember seeing it. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure I... I, okay, I can't remember. It's a long time ago. I remember leaving the movie theater and seeing people who had come there in like their mom's Previa van, yeah, and and Altima and Camry and Dodge Caravan, yep. and peeling out, almost yeah. crashing into each other in the parking lot, yep. and starting to race each other immediately. And I, even at that young age, I looked out. I was like, Oh no, <laughs> what is what have what we done? What is going on? Yeah. And and then I saw a part of the second one and was so like, what the fuck is this? And this is me. This is just me. That I decided that I did not like those movies enough to to simply stop watching them. So I literally, while everyone was living and breathing the first one, it is the most quotable movie in the automotive. People go to the house and the tuna with no crust, like stuck in people's minds. I have people who make references to those movies, and I like in let's say my live streams on my personal IG, which is a very consistent recurring thing that I do. And I'm like, I'm sorry. What are you talking about? And I don't get it. And everyone else is like, bro, that's it's from F and F. And I'm like, which one? And they're like, the fucking first one. The one that everyone quotes. And I legitimately don't make the connection. Cause I watched the first one, like I told you, in the movie theater, and I just stopped watching them. I wasn't bashing people who watched them. I think people somehow immediately just say that if you don't what, like it. What why did it bother you? Just because of the aftermath or Correct. Yeah. The aftermath. And the first one was, if you really think about it, was like the most accurate in some ways as far as uh, crew and family and culture. Like people hanging out with each other, working on stuff in yep. the garages and driveways. Yeah, man, absolutely. Not everyone's a, a foster child that ran away from home and likes to fight everyone. It's not all, <laughs> you know, that's Hollywood shit. But yep. are there people who did that? To this day, you have people who have the one house that's like the, the hub and everyone goes there to work. It's absolutely... It's like my buddy's shop that we go hang out there every Friday night. That is why I think that movie did so well. It, of course, there was timing and there was all these other circumstances... But yeah, it represented certain things so well and relatably that overnighting engines from Japan and every single time you raise someone's opening like the biggest nitrous bottle ever, that just sort of ended up becoming a part of it too. And that's just not real, right? I can say I never thought about having nitrous before, but as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, nitrous, I can, I can do that. I right, can, right. You know? So, I mean, like, you know, I know people that were a part of that first movie. I got to know them, you know, given my, my integration into the, the automotive industry, both in the foreground and in the background now over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. I know people that were a part of that uh, directly. Uh, everything from sourcing the cars to being in the movie to uh, um, uh, helping them. I mean, you name it, right? Multiple levels. And not just minorly. So, um, it, it, I accept it. It's and even if I didn't accept it, it's here. It's here to stay. It's integrated. You know, I on my on my Think Bigger podcast, I spent an hour and something with uh, Sung Kang, right recently, yep. and so my acknowledgement of of that reality is there. It I just didn't. It didn't influence me because I just stopped watching. Now, when Seven came out, 
which is when Paul Walker had passed away and they had to finish the movie afterwards, mm -hmm. I went and watched that one because I was at the charity event in California where Paul and Roger got in that car and crashed. I was there, not at the crash, at the event and saw them get in the car and leave right before it happened. So because I, have, I had mutual, still do, but had mutual acquaintances with Paul Walker, I was at the charity event, saw him. It, it, was, a, a, it was a fun event. And then that, that happened, right? So I did go to watch Seven to see how they tied the movie in and, and all that kind of stuff. So I saw Seven, and um, I saw one, some amount of two, like I mentioned earlier, and Seven. And I think that the rest of it would have been flipping through a channel at a friend's house. You're visiting someone. They're like, hey, have you seen this? Or we're, we're watching this. And then so bits and pieces, right? That's it. So how was how was your real life that you were dealing with cars? What what was it like? As yes. as your yeah, I mean, are you are you kind of doing the gang thing with the cars, or did the cars thing come afterward? Or in the what? beginning, it was it's sort of tied in because like if you're if you're getting picked up as like the youngster to go do some bad shit, yeah, or just party or whatever, uh, they're picking you up in an Integra, yeah, or a blah blah blah, right? Yeah. So that's just integrated. It wasn't like um, it wasn't any less or more organic than that it was just that's what they were driving so if i was getting picked up in you know i don't know like a, a gsr let's call it a gsr yeah, if i but no but i mean if i was in another area and i was getting picked up in a in a um a, a cutlass yeah I then i would probably totally love cutlasses right or in, in that world of chevys and, and whatever so anyways as my I got, entire foundation was is based on I always loved cars. I worked on cars with my grandfather. Yeah. And because he thought Y2K was going to end the world, yeah. he bought a Volkswagen Rabbit diesel. Yeah. And then when it didn't end the world, he gave it to me. Okay. So then that was it. I mean, that was this. I, so then it was Volkswagen, Volkswagen, Volkswagen. Yeah. Just because that was the inception of it for me. Sure. Was sure. like that's being cool. excited about that car. I think that's super I didn't, cool. I didn't really have, there was, you know, pre-internet. I didn't really have anyone else around me. Sure. You know, there was nothing. Well, especially else in Wisconsin. No, I yeah. lived, it's, the town was like two thousand people, and yeah, the the, the the growth and the the birth of the the entire scene and culture is almost entirely uh, from Southern California. Yeah, it's, it's very what you're what you experienced there was very unique because mm. I like I didn't have any osmosis. Yeah, you know, my car enthusiasm was, I wonder if this could be faster. Yeah, and then I would go to the manual and go. Wow, there's a fuel screw right here. I'm going to just turn it up and on this see what diesel. Happens. It didn't get any faster, yeah. but it got smokier and that yeah. felt cool. It looked cool. So, yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> so, man. like, it's just. But that's where everyone, somebody did that. Somebody tried to fit in injectors from a different car into that one and, and all these ways before you could go in order. And somebody tried to mess with the carb and somebody tried, you know what I'm saying? That's how yeah. it all started. Right. And, and so you had these guys, these street racers, these thugs, these crew members that were all trying to make, get faster and figured out you could fit a, a GSR into a CRX. Someone had to weld the mounts in and like, these are all the people who paved the way. And these are, is this, cause you always, when you think of uh, GSR motors or whatever, you always think, man, that thing is going to get stolen for sure. Yeah, well, it, it, that was a very big thing at one point. Everybody's just stealing motors to put in their car. Absolutely, that was that was that was a bit, very real big thing at one point, and it's still there here and there. But there was a, a heyday where it's like no, but none of us would drive our cars to the malls, and if we did, we would just 
stay with like hang out in the parking lot like right because if you walked in and walked out your car is going to be gone potentially depending on where you are there dudes just following you around waiting i don't know how they did it man but there was a very (laughs) thriving you know japanese import hondas acuras left and right man but also if you had 240s if you had other things see oh yeah man they they would just get taken and in 90s cars are not hard to take no they're not so if you even do a little bit of research or hang out with like three people that know how to do it you you know like so remember when the auto lock came out Right, so you slide it in either your brake or like your clutch pedal. You're not yep. supposed to be able to get it off. I I, I watched a dude, uh, these like hood ass dudes that I knew, like through a, a girl I was talking to. It was like their cousins, her cousins, excuse me. And I went to their neighborhood one time and saw them. And like he was like, "I won't let you see how, but just stand back." I stood back ten feet and was, I just heard some noise and some <laughs> shit. And I don't know what he did. And this fool took off the auto lock. Okay, and, and this was like, I'm like, how did you do that? And he just smiled at me, and, he, and you know, the, they're the cousins of this girl that I'm, I'm talking to, so I felt like they weren't going to do it to me, and they didn't, but that was what I knew. It was unsaid. That's what they did at night. They just went, and they stole shit, okay? So that's what some people got into, and other people legitimately would save and buy parts and learn how to work on them, or, or the consumer side of every industry of the people who don't know how to do any of that and so they go to shops and pay the shops which is an important part of the industry which guy were you were you building your own cars did you at that time hell no okay i didn't know how to do anything at that time i was a kid you know and so i paid you know i went to shops and i mean that's how i start i observed and and this is still like we're getting just into the forum era right of the yeah. internet so that's where this invaluable source of, of collected information i feel like the i feel like the forum era yeah was was the best it will ever be Oh, it was, it was, it was fun. It was fun. It was informative. The people who took the time to uh, take pictures, upload them to like photo bucket, which is dead, which is dead. And then host them so they could be posted on the forum. It was the best. It was the best. But, um, the, the problem is, is the forums, the forums, I think were the foundation and, or the beginning of the end. Okay, but right. in this way, they were the beginning of the end or the destruction of certain parts of humanity. And what I mean by <laughs> that is, is that it is where you started to visually have a numerical representation of who's the most credible. Right. Okay, because how many posts, posts you, you had, if yeah. somebody had 17 posts, you would, whether you realized it or not, you wouldn't really pay attention to them because yeah. they're like, who the fuck are you newbie? Right. Okay? Yep. And somebody who had 17,000 posts, has they're the moderators, they are the most active, they're the most informative, and then people would then say, oh, wait till so-and-so answers or find this so-and-so, and then it turned into, hey, what about making this a sticky so that everyone can just go to it? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. The person who posts the most now in 2021 on TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, the person who posts the most chronologically and literally couldn't possibly be working with their hands the most because the person working with their hands the most can't actually be posting they can't take if the they're yeah. wrenching. It's the lowest common denominator is what's available now. Okay. And of, are, there, there, are there people who have now found a way to integrate social media on a very consistent daily, hourly level while also wrenching? Yes. but That's me. We're talking about now – what we had started off is talking about then. Yep. Then it was different, 
Okay, so the the credibility rating, your social credit rating, your credibility, like who do I believe? The person who just wrenched for ten hours and only can post for like an hour, you know, to to explain to you how to do something, or the person who has just only been on this forum for three months and they have thousands of posts. Right, they look and appear very much more credible. And now it's just changed the post count to the follower count. Right. If somebody with a higher follower account than another person tells you something, it holds more weight. And if you, God forbid, they get a blue check. Well, there's, it's different because the, the forum post count is a participation value. The follower count is a societal approval of that individual's whatever it is that they're doing. You, you just worded far more thinking than the average person is actually putting into that. I think that when someone goes to a person's whatever page, IG, Twitter, whatever, right? They're not doing what you just did. Well, in the other days, this was a, and today that fault. No, they just see the number and that person is of a higher value. Their right. opinions are of higher value. Whether they acknowledge it or it's subconscious, unconscious, and if you have the blue check, they are a verified intelligent source of information, of politics, of religion, of right. automotive. That's what because that it's, means because to it's, people. it's a group approval. If you have someone with that's doing X, yeah. and you have two people doing X, okay, two yeah. people working on cars. One guy's got 2,000 followers, doesn't post very much, whatever the case may be. It's almost like the, the forum post count and the follower count has been combined now with social media, but that's beside the point. So you've got 2,000 followers for one guy doing car stuff, and another guy's got 200,000 followers. The person's brain goes, wow, 200,000 people like what this guy is doing. I should like it too, or I should look at it. I should follow it. The guy that's doing 2,000 things. Uh, two thousand like worth of things. Yeah, that guy's just he just doesn't have as much value. Correct, which is it's utter it, bullshit. It's bullshit. But there's also times where it's true because somebody could be doing something really great. One of the reasons why I have followers, and I'm not saying what I'm doing is great, but I do travel a lot. I work on my car a lot. Yeah, you know, I do a lot of road trips and content and generate. It's all original. It's all new. Yeah, so that would be better than someone that doesn't do much except go out and spray a quick detailer on their car and has 500 followers. So there is there is a legitimacy to saying, well, okay, that can only hold has, on, hold on. For you, the you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely, like but I know value. people. I know people that just do things that are the equivalent of spraying quick detailer on their car <laughs> and they have 500,000 followers. We both do. We okay. both know that so, person. So whether it's uh, drilling on a wide body and putting on air suspension and lowering it and you're a fucking millionaire because that's yep. all you do or which is by the way the equivalent of just spraying quick detailer on your car making videos. As a builder, sure. But a person who makes 20 reels a day, 20 stories and four posts are going to have 200,000 followers and you could travel everywhere and you have 50. So people who don't know any better and they just go to person X and person Y's page, one of those is more credible and valuable and notable than the other. And, and there are certain things doing- you can do and, and a lot of people would call it selling out. Okay. There's certain things you can do as a social media person to sell out to gain more followers, right? You can yes, just, people you, do it daily. They do it all the time. And I've always re- absolutely refused to do it. I don't do sponsored stuff. I don't take money. I don't take product. I don't do anything like that. And I always feel well, like, am I fucking stupid? Am uh, I, should I be, should I be people, doing this? Should I be leveraging this system? Because I, I like you kind of despise what it is, but it's kind of this thing that just is. So I don't really have a choice, but to use it, you don't have a choice, but use it. You use it. I use it. We all use it. Whether we like it or not, it's there. It exists. 
should I this be is, sacrificing my moral fortitude and just and just succumb and just the use answer it and to do that it? question before I even let you finish is fuck no. And I haven't. Okay. And, well, it's, the, and it kills me because I see people having this massive success. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now we're going to get into like a really philosophically sure. deep thing. But success, is success defined by how many followers they have? Is success defined by how big their YouTube subscriber count is? Let's not forget that follower count. Well, hopefully listeners are still listening as we get into this topic. But the, the follower count is, a, and I think people discount it but it is a currency it is a currency that can be spent okay but what we're not talking about currency you were talking about success you said it eats you up because you see another person doing that and they're more successful i should say that they are making more money maybe they're making more money or maybe they want what i want for myself and i know that if i did certain things or if anybody would do certain things differently they could have that and, and it's always a bummer to see it and go, ah, oh, but I just, I can't sacrifice my, my morality and what I think is ethical as right. what I do right. to achieve that. So in that way, I know that if I sacrifice, I would be unhappy because I would take there what you go. I would, I would be removing something for myself to be able to achieve that. Maybe other people don't care. I have no idea. I don't know anyone who you could say is unhappy and successful. Now that's more philosophical because the, some of the wealthiest people are not happy oh, yeah, they're very unhappy they're unhappy angry people right but but on the outside they are some of the most successful people so you know we could get this is deep right this right. is these are definitions that kind of go back to what i was talking about how if people don't have a relationship with themselves if they're not thinking for themselves if they are not taking the time to have a quiet time and conversation with themselves and think and read and and acknowledge and all these different things, they they will take the words and the presence of another person and they will vicariously find fulfillment in that. That is what the majority of mankind does. Whether they whether whoever nobody spends enough time alone. The I'll people tell you that people right now. are gonna get super triggered when they're like, yeah, I totally agree with that guy, Big Mike, but that's not me though, and this is in their head. And if you really start to take the definition, it, it, it could very easily be you because if you are not, okay, okay, if a person, if a person has. Keep talking, I'm going to grab my soda. Okay, if a person has an emotional control issue on the spectrum of, say, temper, right? So you have one side of the spectrum, so let's go anger. Is it okay to get angry? Yes, that's part of the spectrum. That's, that's normal, it's healthy. Yep. Now, if you don't know how to control your anger to the point where you then commit a violent act, road rage, impulse, it, like an impulsive event that has... When anger becomes rage. When anger becomes rage and you hit your wife, you run someone off the road and there's kids in their car or your car, blah, blah, blah. You could just pick anything. If you have an anger issue problem, people are like... Dude, you need to you need you need to calm down, right? Your ass needs to calm down, and that's sort of the extent of it. Unless someone does something so extreme, then there's the judicial system. But that's not the judicial system is not addressing their internal issue, right? Follow me. The more commonly addressed one is if someone doesn't have control over their emotions on the other side of the spectrum. So on one side you have anger, and the other side you have sadness. It is completely normal to be sad. It is completely normal to get sad. If you do not have any emotional maturity or have had no practice 
within oneself, whether because it was given to you as a foundation from your parents as the way they brought you up and you have uh, branched off and did your own version of it or not. But if someone is sad, which is normal, and they don't know how to deal with that, you can become depressed. I'm not talking about the people who have a very literal, real, and solely biochemical imbalance. Right. I was just going to say, hey, some people can't help it. Some people cannot help it. That is the deep minority of people. That is the deep minority of people. Is There is an entire realm of people who were never given the tools and or have never taken any personal responsibility in developing themselves to do something about it, right? Because being sad is normal. Being depressed for a time is even normal. That's what grief and sorrow is. You lose someone or something you love, you are grieving, you are mourning, you are sad, you can even be depressed. Do you live in it? Do you wallow in it? Do you find people telling you it's okay? Embrace that because that shit is dangerous. And just do it on the other end of the spectrum. If someone's always angry, right, and they start doing extreme shit and people are like, embrace that, man, even if that means slapping the fuck out of their wife, right, or hitting their wife or their kids, which happens all the time, right? And would it be cool? Would anyone say it's okay if they were like, hey, it's normal, man. Just that's life. Just embrace it. That's bullshit too. But no one really talks about the, that side. Emotions, the human experience is riddled with emotions. It's supposed to be. But people have no emotional maturity. People have no emotional maturity or control because they haven't been told they need it and they haven't practiced it. So when they experience something terrible, they're mourning, they're grieving, they're sad, they can absolutely make themselves depressed and then stay there. Because society tells them, we'll help you. And then you go get a pharmaceutical boost when it wasn't that. Is That's not what your problem was. Because there are people who really need that pharmaceutical uh, correction. They have well, a, how does this tie back to our conversation about social media? I and, think social media is causing the greatest and deepest level of depression en masse um, because people are bombarding themselves every day, every moment of every day, Looking at people who have more than they do, look better than they do, have more money than they do, have more cars, are built better. Guys are looking at guys more well-built. Women are looking at women that have the correct body shape. They have the correct waist-to-ass-to-tit to tit ratio. They have the correct, you name it, right? That is what's happening. And if all you do is look at people who seem to be doing better than you, you're not going to feel adequate. You are going to feel insecure on a deep level. If you are 11 years old, yeah, watching, I can't imagine. It is deeply un, unsettling what these young people who are looking, if, if a 12-year-old can tell you the name of every Kardashian and what they're doing and what the names of their business is, if that doesn't make your fucking soul cry, it should. Well, how, I like to, I remember, you, did you ever go to H2O? Uh, no, I have many friends who did, but <laughs> the- uh, H2O the, was at one point pretty cool. Yeah, and it, it turned was into an one, absolute mob. Right around the time of the death of forums and the and the launch of Facebook, okay. Instagram, everything else. And all it was, it went from just a bunch of cool dudes, sometimes breaking the law, just like all dudes Fair do, enough. take risks, do dumb shit. We all have done that. It went from that to how can I be the biggest douchebag to get the most 
bang for my buck on social media. Correct. And you had guys coming out with camber cars, with blow-up dolls okay, but, hanging out of the roofs, and all of a sudden it, it's but and here's the thing. purely for the attention. It's attention. It's absolutely narcissistic for attention, for sure. So just in terms of how it applies specifically to the car culture, yeah. it has, in my opinion, ruined a large part of the car culture by making it... Um, okay, okay. I look at your car, okay? I look at your Prelude. Okay, the present... Present. Okay. It's a beautiful car. Thank you. First of all, well done. Anybody that should just look up Big Mike Prelude, I don't. we don't need to get into like the build of your car. I think we're we're much deeper than that. It's an incredible car. Thank you. And I can tell that it took a lot of time, thought, <laughs> effort to build it. I yes. can tell that it took an incredible amount, way more than the normal guy would ever spend on it. But you'll never get the return. If you could get like the amount of return of, of the guys that put the blow-up doll out their window, the amount of attention they got versus the amount of attention you got based on the ratio of the time you actually put in, they did way better than you. Okay. You know, so you know what I'm saying? So you did it right. But you ha you're not getting the the quick fix, quick attention as the guy that's running four degrees of camber and just basically rips his oil pan every time he goes outside. And that's how he gets his attention. Or the guy that says, you know what, I've got enough money. I'm going to put that RWB kit on my car, even though the thing's leaking oil, the wiring harness is hanging off under the dash and there's mouse shit in my airbox. But hey, guess what? He's got the RWB kit on his car. Okay. You did it right. All these other guys are doing it wrong. Old, they don't know that they're doing it wrong. But the reward system, the Pavlovian system of what is rewarding people for what they're doing is completely corrupt. Okay, so I got a few quick responses to that. Number one, I think far more of them than less of them know that they're doing it wrong, and they are literally feeding off of the attention. What does that do that has the Lamborghini? That Asian kid with the Lamborghini with the roll cage that's I built on the outside of the car. About. I don't know what you're talking about. It's but what I'm, what I'm trying to say to you is, is like, uh, when you say that I did it right, they did it wrong, but they got more success out of it, I flat out disagree with you. They got more short-term attention. So the reason why I have flown all over this country, right? I should say they've got more social media currency. No, they got, a, they got, there's a difference between building a legacy and, and being a short-term memory. Right. They are short-term memories, right? Uh, I have one build that has gotten me uh, to fly to Jakarta, Indonesia, right? To be in, I've been across the planet, right? I have hosted an innumerable amount of events. I, uh, I have sat on panels and educational panels at SEMA. I have hosted events from Seattle to Miami to everything in between, right? Did the person who put a blow-up doll in whatever the fuck at H2O or any place uh, 1, 2, 12 years ago, are they doing that? No. They are the blink of an eye, short-term memory, uh, the equivalent of what was viral before viral was called going viral, and, and then it goes away, right? So there is— there I'm thinking—the kid I'm thinking of is Alex Choi. I don't know who okay, that is. Okay, so Alex Choi is a guy who just— he does, I mean, he's got millions of followers. He does the, just does the dumbest shit ever. Okay. Puts it on YouTube and people eat it up. And they eat it up a lot of times because they just want to look at the train wreck. Right? Okay, so I, I, I wouldn't know who that is or but what he does. just think of the, the, the archetype of this person. The person that does the... But they're very common. I know, but some people get a huge amount of following like even way more than you or me just for because oh, they're, no they're they're 10 hundred times more than us okay I, so I, that's without even I'm, knowing who he is i i can i'm sure he is so that's what i mean is like these people are getting 
the accolades for doing the dumb, no, ridiculous you, shit. No, you are using words just for the sake of this conversation that I don't even think are even remotely synonymous. So they're not you're applicable. Talking, you're talking about success and accolades based off followers. That's the way you're defining it, and I flat out don't I don't equate I don't, the two. I don't want it to be that way. Well, then why are you saying it's because that way? Because it is. Because I'm not – what I say doesn't define what culture is. I mean, I can say this is wrong. I can say I don't like this. I despise this. Yes. But that doesn't make it not so. You know, when you when you see that the guys... Are um, you saying in, that these people, what they say is what is so? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that the society that is elevating it Okay, does. you said that that because, particular guy does what to cars? He puts a cage on what? Let's, for example, um, this car specifically, he put an external roll cage on his Lamborghini. Okay, let's just stop right there. I don't even... I'm not even sure why that person is even getting airtime in this conversation, but for the sake of that, I, just, I had to pick someone that I that okay, I know no, does. No, no, this. cool. But how many how many people do you know that are currently and or aspire to do a road cage on the outside of a Lamborghini? Absolutely zero. Okay, so where is where is any type of depth or profundity? Where is the influence? It is short term memory. It is shock value. It is viral. There is nothing profound about that. I don't have anything against. That's a business model. I don't know if he's doing it solely sure. from a business perspective, and that's all he's doing is thinking about how to make the most money off social media. Because if he is, he's actually, by definition, quite successful. If he thinks that he's influencing car culture for the better, then he's a buffoon. But right. I can't speak for him. I don't know where he's coming I'm from. I'm guessing it's the former and not the latter. Okay, but what I'm saying is is he's doing this, and you use the term success and accolades in that realm. And I'm saying that to me, it's an entirely different measuring stick. It's the barometer. The, any but you th- and I are outliers, though. That's not the, that, doesn't have any, that doesn't have any bearing on what I'm saying is I'm over here 20 years later hosting events from here to across the planet, being able to sit with someone like you in all the way across the country, right? I just came from New York. I was in Orlando. I'm in Miami. I'm in Seattle. I'm going to Houston, Chicago. You name it, right? And all these different events ranging from smaller, mid-sized meets to full-blown extravaganzas, you know, inside of events with musical performances and b-boys. So there's all these different things. SEMA, I work with SEMA directly, PRI. Right now we're fighting for the RPM Act. I've been on Zoom meetings with people in Washington, D.C. I mean, I'm talking about on a very deep, profound, important level, all the way to grassroots, cultural, shaking the hands of 16-year-olds, right? Why am I doing that? It's because I did things that built a legacy. I did things that have a deep effect. The people who are building many of the cars now and and the bar and the standard for how to build certain types of cars, that came from people like me and in my generation who started building to an upper level and we're not over here saying it every day on social media. And, you know, the way the speed at which social media works, you don't even have to get a full generation later, a half generation. They don't even know who started that trend. You see what I'm saying? Right. And that's okay because if it was about attention, then I'd be over here like, knock, knock, hey, I'm the one who did that first. I'm not doing that. And if the next generation doesn't even know where it came from, I can, for my definition of success and uh, being uh, a, a positive influence, I can see how at the very minimum things that I may have done first or that my time and era and I just executed a little bit better or differently um, – is now the bar or the standard, and that has positively influenced versus someone sitting back 
and saying, man, I got a lot of followers or viewers. What the fuck are my followers and viewers doing? One of them just crashed because they were trying to fucking or whatever, yeah. hoon around a pole. We've, the problem is, is that I think as human beings, we all ascribe or define success as money appro- and attention, money and approval from peers attention. It's what it is. So we look at approval of our peers or the people that we see as our peers and we automatically ascribe, well, there's this much for this person, this much for this person. And social media has exacerbated that, that mentality to seek that in ways that are completely and totally and wholly unhealthy. And the problem is, and the problem is, is that you have the lowest common denominator of, it's almost just like they don't show cats getting rescued out of trees on the news every night. They show the worst shit that happened. The worst. Because that's what's going to impact and influence people the most. It's not the good thing that you're doing. It's the idiot putting the roll catch on the outside of his okay. Lamborghini. And that that's people, and all of a sudden, there's so many peers looking at that and so many issues. And it's, it's an interesting, and I think you're an outlier in the fact that you're intelligent enough to think about what do I want my legacy to be can I use that legacy to define my own, the way that I view success for myself? And if more people were able to do that, Correct. I think that they would be happier. That's for sure. You need to come up with your own man. definition. Because it's difficult. It's hard. Listen. Because it's in your face every fucking day. Every day. But look, before social media, before the internet, Chris, people have always worshipped movie stars and uh, musicians. Right, so look at uh, look at videos from concerts of Elvis. Women are losing their fucking minds. Right? Yep. You uh, too, Michael Jackson, Madonna. Just pick these mega stars from just just a little bit ago. Right. Yep. And you have just tens to hundreds of thousands of people losing their shit. Right? Over very specific cultural pop icons, whether it's movie, Hollywood, okay. whatever. Now we have regular people doing crazy well, shit, being have... elevated to the same level, contributing nothing. Okay. okay, hold on. At least these people contributed like a body of work to to pop culture that's in like the well. That's National your Museum definition. Of... That's your definition. If you to be fair, if you ask the sixteen year old, they're going to be like, "The fuck did Elvis do for music? I don't know." But what did this yeah, person but he did? That, that I'm talking it. Perception is reality. The, whoever invented the the fucking uh, the the ice box challenge or whatever it was didn't really contribute anything. It's not going in the national historic vault at the Washington D.C. Okay, hold on, hold on. Um, that's the same thing as saying words like "yeet" would never make it into the English dictionary, but they're in it now. So you're talking somewhere between what you think should be real and ideal. And it's starting to get much more ambiguous than you think because shit like yeet is in the dictionary, Chris. Yeah, my fucking kid said it the other day. I couldn't believe it. Oh, no. So when you just said that that's not going to go into the National Archives, you be very fucking careful because (laughs) that's what's happening. If it has. But it shouldn't. Of course it shouldn't. It It should not be there. Chris, it shouldn't be there because of your definition. So on the Think Bigger. Yeah, but I'm right. Okay, well, as long as if you go to sleep at night feeling that, then you're good. But what I'm saying, Chris, is like. For this, just for the sake of conversation, right? So on my podcast, the Think Bigger podcast, I have an episode called Can You Be Successful and Poor? And it is one that I have gotten maybe it's like tied between maybe second and third most responses as far as people finding a way to reach out to me. Because, you know, when you, when you have an audio podcast, 
if you don't have a website set up and there isn't a connected social media, they can't comment to you, right? Mm -hmm. They just, they could affect them in the most profound way ever and you would never know, right? right. So if so I they didn't have to have, seek you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's a lot of effort in this day mm -hmm. and age. So for someone to, to click on this or Google that real quick to find a way such as my IG, if I didn't plug it in the episode, because I don't honestly really ever remember to do that, um, I have gotten some of the most profound, lengthy, like soul dumping messages from episodes like that uh, because it shakes people who actually, you know, have the ability to listen to it. Um, it shakes them to their core because um, you can be successful and poor, in my humble opinion. Um, and many people would be like, well, that's, that doesn't make any, it's oxymoronic. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm just like, but are you sure though? And it, the, in the end, the answer for you can only be made by you. So my response to the whole thing about do I believe that social media is, is one of the, if not the greatest marketing tool ever for a, a company? Because a random person in the middle of the Midwest from Wisconsin in Minnesota can create this uh, a podcast that can reach people worldwide. I'm a random person in Southern California and, and my, my follower listeners are from all these random different countries that right. you would just never believe. Even one from Chile, one from fucking Venezuela and then two from London and then one from Kenya. And it's like, what? Yeah, How? Absolutely. The, the, the algorithm? I mean, th thousands of people are going to listen to this. It's crazy. And, and, and that would not be possible without the and, internet. And would so not be. So yes, absolutely. Fine. Social media is this incredible tool. But there's a difference between a tool, my friend, the internet is a tool. A tool by definition is something you use to help you accomplish a task, right? So what tasks are you trying to accomplish? I'm talking with about the people use the internet as a crutch. They are dependent on it. If they don't use it, they don't know how to behave, how to think, how to act. They don't know what's happening. They don't know what to do with themselves. Let me tell you That's about not this, a tool. this guy. Okay. It's it's a film I'm doing and the listeners know know about it, but you you don't. I met a man named Gadisa Merka. Okay. Okay. He's from Ethiopia. Okay. And he was driving a Porsche 914 down the interstate, and I was in my shitty rabbit pickup truck. All right. And I saw him, and I, it was clearly a project, right? I mean, the tires were spray-painted yellow, and it, it looked like it had just been pulled out of the garage and it was running. Okay. And he had the biggest smile on his face. He was driving it. Yeah. And I flagged him down. I went to talk to him, and he was from Ethiopia. He had, had never heard of Porsche before. He's, yeah. He came over here, became a truck driver, and saw, like, a Porsche. And he thinks he's the, the, the king shit. Okay. With this Porsche that he has, it's convertible. He's just, it's wild. Yeah. The guy is the most purest form of motoring enthusiast I've ever met. Okay. Completely uninfluenced. Completely. Just like built this car in his garage. To, to weld on the car, he basically uses a come along and lifts the car up with by his roof and then welds on the car. Really, really unique. Very special story. We did a film on it. You're probably going to love it. But in the interview that we did with this guy, yeah. I, I said, why are you so happy? And it basically comes down, because he's a very happy guy. He's okay. very happy, very content, very satisfied with where he is. He's awesome. very giving, very generous. Okay. Very generous. Sends a lot of money to his family. You know, doesn't, he says his car is, is, is in the state it's, that it's in because he gives most of his money back to his family. You know, okay. he's just, it, just an incredible man. And he goes, Chris, Americans have too much information. They have too much. They can never be happy with what's in their hand because they're too busy looking at, what's on the screen. There you go. 
And it was, and but, and he said it, in, and because his English isn't very good, sure, he says it in this very, very rudimentary, basic English form. He just, he, it's more along the lines of Americans have too much information, not yeah. happy, only see what's on screen. Sure, and it, and it, so it, it's really, really boiled down. And I said, well, are the people where you grew up? Are those people happy? He says, yeah, they're happy. Mm-hmm. They don't know. They don't know. And the, one of the reasons why I'm so happy is because I, I also do know I have contrast, right? He understands contrast of where he came from to where he is. And what really struck me, though, is when he said, Americans have too much information. There's, yeah. We have too much information. We have too much to understand. We uh, Humans weren't built for this much information. No. We really weren't. We weren't built to have to try and make this many choices, to try and analyze this from this much information we weren't supposed to think about things this much yeah it's just it's too much the internet has brought too much into our lives okay and there's on. a lot of good but hold even on. the amount of good that it's brought in with all the bad and it's just like there's someone has shoved a funnel in your mouth or in your brain okay, and hold just on pouring hold on. it in this is where i want to disagree with that because i really do agree with you but what i'm saying is is that um that is too that starts to sound too much um like victimology okay just follow me for a second is because i actually fully agree with that there is way too much going on i think it's physiological though okay. i don't think it's Here, a this choice. is why this is why i say it's a choice because i can't tell you what which rapper is is beefing with other other rappers i can't tell you who got pregnant by which basketball star i don't know the answers to that because my mind does not take any of it in because I choose to not look up or listen to those types of things. I have control, to some people will say to a great degree, lesser degree, there is control because you don't have to look at it. Yeah, but you have to understand that you're you're probably in the top 25th percentile of IQ and intelligence. Okay, you're a very intelligent guy. I, Aver- don't, Aver- I don't know how to answer that. Fine, you obviously are. You obviously are. Okay. I obviously am. You know, a lot of the people listen to the podcast probably are. Just if you're able to have conversations like this, you're you're more intelligent. A lot of people on the average intelligence, maybe below intelligence, 80 to 100 IQ, 100, 105. Okay, hold on. Just, so just, the quantification of someone's intelligence via IQ, I don't know how to answer that. But but let, it, let, me, let me finish. Let you me finish. can totally not look at the girl who seems in the thumbnail to possibly be underage. I understand, just but they have, click that. they have less capability to critically think of the consequences of what they're doing. Okay, they don't understand when they, the vast majority of people just think that it's fine. They think it's fine. They don't think anything of it. They're not making the critical decision to go, should I look at this much information on the internet today? Should I, should I watch cable news today? Should I watch the CNN, this Fox News, this, this, they, they don't think about it. They just consume it. They don't have the ability or they, maybe they weren't taught whatever the the chicken or the egg, Chris. Is it the chicken to the egg? Who's resp- who, so whose fault slash whose responsibility is that? Is it the fault of Instagram and Zuckerberg and Facebook because they are the ones who allow the information? Because they know. They Hold know the, okay, what they're regardless doing. Regardless of what they know, whose fault is it? Is it the fault of the people who continue to put out the information or is it the fault of the people who look at it? Is it the fault of the dude putting the, the blow-up doll or two-stepping in the middle of the street or, 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 or doing a donut in public in front of an intersection? Of course, those literal in-that-moment actions, he's the one behind the wheel, he's doing it. If everyone saw that stupidity and turned the other way because it's foolish, the people would stop doing it. If 150 cell phones and cameras 
did not come out immediately when someone acted like a buffoon, people would stop doing it because everyone wants what? Approval slash Approval attention. attention. yeah, okay? of course. So in a group, in an event but that they're I not, do. These are the people that, these are obviously not intelligent people. They're not critically thinking about what they're doing. And then you have the the Instagram, the Facebook, the, the TikTok, the Snapchat, then algorithms it and amplifies it, right? Okay. They amplify the stupidity. I think, that, I think I'm trying it's to like be- It's like a I, feedback loop. I'm trying to be idealistic. I'm trying to be idealistic because I believe that that let's say they're more misguided and insecure than anything, okay? I don't know about their intelligence level. I really don't. I think they are misguided and insecure. So the, the, the lack of guidance is self-explanatory. And then the insecurity, which they will probably never want to admit because they maybe don't even know that's what it is, is it's just for attention. So if, if attention is to paint a car a bright color, Paint a car bright color. If that's not getting you enough attention after a month or six months of it being hot pink or yellow or something, right? Then you uh, do, instead of a dump tube, you do an up tube from your turbo. And then you get a rich tube. You live tube. on that for a little you bit. You live on that. And what they're doing, because of, this is all insecurity. This is all insecurity based, hum, in my humble opinion. Because if you are secure in your build, my, my current build, for example, on E85 is just under... On with playing with no timing, it's just under 500 wheel horsepower and about 400 foot pounds, right? So on with zero play in timing, right? On a conservative, only revving to 8,000, and I can go higher than that. The car makes 462 and 356 on E85. Yep, that is with a GT, a Garrett GTX 2863. That is a small right. turbo. My friend who has a built H22 in his uh, Time Attack. Uh, Incidentally, Prelude, just different generation. He's using a, a I think he's using a, a, a 76 Jeez. or something, right? Yeah. Okay. He he makes like 670, 700. I could have done that. Twice just, as much power or the twice as big turbo. Okay, so I could have, <laughs> mine's a 28, excuse me, 3076. Oh. 3076, that's what I meant by 76. So, so, but with the technology of that, now they have the, the, the different series and, you know, impellers are getting better, right? Yep. So the point is, is like, um, my car is horrifically fun to drive, right? When you have 460 wheel and 350 foot pounds in a front wheel drive car, I'm running a nine and a half with a 275. You stomp that throttle and it is your loins and soul start tingling. Yeah, you're okay? going. Um, and is that going to be able to beat the guy who just dumped the 35R? Turbo? No, his shit makes 800 horsepower or 1,200 horsepower or whatever, right? But I don't have a dumb tube. I have a, I have a down tube, not an up tube, right? Um, my livery, the Martini Racing livery is off, so my car is just gray right now. What's my point? My point is, is for me personally, the, the details, the execution, the effect, the influence that that car has had, I get in it, and when I start it up, um, I don't do a two-step video for Instagram. Why the fuck would I do that? Even though I literally get requests weekly to do something like that. Because I am not in it to influence people to two-step their engine for the social media world. It does. What is the purpose of that? That's an attention thing. Two-stepping, uh, all those types of ECU safety things, they're safety parameters. They are meant to prevent X and Y, right? It's not... Nobody was like designing this standalone in Motec. The, the, the engineers at Motec were like, how can we get this guy to get more attention? Let's make a two-step. 
No, Let's, the burble tunes drive right, me crazy. Okay, man. so the burble tunes, exactly. So running extra rich. You're not supposed to really actually have flames coming out of your muffler. That's a lot of un. Unless you're fuel. a Group B rally car. Correct. <laughs> so how did that much unburnt fuel make it all the way out to the muffler to ignite back there? Many people will say that's not a good tune, but now people are doing it to have that effect. Now, there are cars that are so nutty, so crazy that that was a side effect. It's right. like attention. Attention and fame should be a byproduct of something you're accomplishing. I agree. Something, those are supposed to be byproducts, right? If you built a wonderful, beautiful car the notoriety would effectively be inevitable unless you lived absolutely in nowhere. Yet somehow. Okay, but but now somehow, it's but no, now it's the not two the two-step kid. Right. has been is elevated especially by the algorithm in the moment. In the moment. That's all that matters now, man. That's not just, to me, not to I you. Under, I understand that, but in terms of as history will read it, all anybody cared about was right now. Okay, right but now. Hist okay, so history is comprised of right now moments, right? But then why are there some figures that consider that are considered pivotal? Why are there some names that are going to stand out as people who guided something in some direction and this and that? Why? You're wh why? I, we're just gonna have to see wh how it plays out, man. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe the freaking crate challenge will be in. We'll, we'll be Dude, in somebody's the, gonna the, become a the library of Congress. Right? Someone's gonna be a quadriplegic off that because some of the falls that I've yeah, glanced at, they're they're like, oh, everyone starts laughing and they get up and they're like, oh, my arm. Some th those well, TikTok banned it, so that's a pretty high fall for the way some of these people are doing it. So that's dangerous. But listen, remember man, what I said about intelligence? I don't. Okay, listen. <laughs> I don't know how many of those people are unintelligent. I just all of them. No, I. Come what on. I'm saying is, is, I think that there are intelligent people who are also insecure people. I agree with it that. It is attention, my friend. They want attention. That internal battle is a wild one. So what? What I kind of realized in the midst of all the depth and all of these tangents, which I think are very fruitful and important tangents, mm -hmm. but one of the things is, is like I think someone could come out of this conversation. Um, at least in regards to, to who I am and be like, yo, that was fun. That was deep. I, I agree. I disagree. But like, what exactly is it that he does again? Yeah. <laughs> right. Because yeah, yeah. we that was somewhere uh, yeah. 30 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, what do you do, man? What's the plan? No. So so it's like these hosting with these events. We asked me, why do these companies reach out? And it, we got a little bit more on with depth. It was a little bit more conceptual and figurative. And yeah, well, now we know why people invite you out. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um. But, you know, so look, we were talking about that first car of mine that made a magazine in 05 and then covers from that yeah. point on, et cetera. Um, and then from that point, it was like, you know, hey, um, you know, Big Mike, you seem to to speak in a certain manner. Are you also able to write in that way or vice versa? I got a, a email or something from you. Do you also speak that way? Right. Just depending on how. I was uh, uh, introduced to that company, that person, that whatever. And then it turned into, hey, can you um, say a few words at this event? Or when, 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 you get, when, when you get like the award, talk about like next year, can you help us judge? Because you've won that award X amount of times in a row. So that's how it turned into hosting an event and then being a judge and then turning into like a head judge or something like that. Same thing with the magazines, the same magazines I was featured in ended up being like, can you write these features? This is the general template. This is about the flow. This is the word count of what 
this particular magazine and then this particular magazine and then this particular magazine does. Can you do that? Send us a sample. And I'm kind of like a bridging, but that's what, how it turned into, oh yeah, that was cool. So, you know, just like any editorial type of constructive criticism, this, this, try this, the editor of the magazine, I'm like, okay, cool. And then, so that's how it went from magazines that I was a kid reading to then being featured in, to then being featured on the cover wise, to then being uh, writing for and seeing written by or shot by Big Mike. So that's how that side of the, the journalistic media side of things and then the hosting and the judging side of things and as things have evolved while the trends and the shock value stuff come and go, I'm still here and I believe that I'm a very real testament to having patience, execution, details and caring more about uh, being true to something grander than um, going viral yeah, is, is absolutely an, an indicator of success because in many ways that I wouldn't even have been able to formulate um, in my mind when I was 15, I am successful. And, and I'll put it very, very crisply and clearly so there's no gray area. For those of you listening, there are many people who have been around for a substantially shorter period of time and have done uh, very little comparatively and they make way the fuck more money than I do. I am not defining success by money. If you do that, then money would be the pinnacle and you will do anything which many people do to make money. That's Just what, like horsepower, there's never enough. That's what white collar crime <laughs> is. right? The ethics there's and morals enough. and the effect of what it does to people is why people in, in Wall Street will do the worst white collar crime ever and make millions of dollars because their idea of success is money, okay? right? So I am deeply grateful for my ability to travel all over and meet with people, talk with people, see their builds, experience them in their communities, both automotive-specific and generally. Well, that's because I make time to do the general part, but, you know, if I was just to do automotive, I'd still be blessed. And, um, and here I am. 20 years later. So I just did an event where it occurred to me in a moment, I was kind of looking around and scanning the crowd below me uh, from the stage. And it just occurred to me in a moment, I said, how many people here are under the age of 20? Right. And some people raised their hand, like a good amount, maybe like 40% of the crowd, 30 to 40% were under 20. And then I said, what about in the thirties? And that was like the next part. And then the very tiny last part was how many people here are over 40? There was like four, let's just say four people. So I said, okay, over here, it's a lot of you. How many of you are under 20? Okay. How old are you? I just picked one. 16. Okay. Looked over there to, to some of the OG guys. Right? I said, hey, how old are you? 41. Okay. And I said, this is an opportunity to be like, why the fuck is the old guy here? And then the old guy could be like, what does the 16-year-old know? Neither of you guys are doing that to each other. We are at an event where there is a 16-year-old and a 41-year-old, and they both love cars and are in the same building with cars okay these are because these weren't spectators these were competitors and i said this can be an opportunity for people to appreciate the people coming after them and the people who came before them even if you don't know you're doing it because if you don't know who the owner is you're going to see this this build and you're going to be like now that's dope and that's a 16 year old who outbuilt you as a 41 year old <laughs> or the 16-year-old has the invaluable opportunity to learn, learn from the 41-year-old. Yeah. So I'm not saying it works one way. What I'm saying is life is what you make it. 
And that's all a matter of your perspective. So I said, you guys, in this day and age, that's not even a generation. That's like two generations apart because things change so quickly. It's about five to seven years where the whole thing is like completely different, right? Yeah, even faster now. Yeah, so let's take five years. 16, let's not even go 41. Let's take the, the larger chunk, the, the, third, the people that said that, you know, who's here is in their 30s. 16 and 36, it's easier. 20 fucking years. If things change every five years, that's four generations apart. Mm-hmm. Four internet generations apart of fads and changes and styles, right? That's a lot of different words like yeet. 16 and 36 is huge, man. And I said, you guys, listen, this is what it is about. Because on the internet, you would call them a boomer. And they would call you gen whatever the fuck, millennial, YZ, right? But here in person, everyone doesn't know. Because we've even the playing field by putting it in the context of being approved for this particular, in this instance, this event. And right here is an opportunity for people to talk to each other for people to get to know each other and understand each other. Because like you and I were talking about, if you can talk to each other about simple things, that's the start for when you can talk to each other about difficult things. And people don't talk to each other, they talk at each other. So one of the many answers to the questions like, who am I and what do I do, um, come from all those automotive, summarized, super packaged, abridged accolades that I have as far as magazine features, covers, being a journalist, being a host all over the world, et cetera. Wonderful things, SEMA educational panels. I work with SEMA all the time to reach people on a very broad, and then on here I am on, on the deepest of grassroots level in St. Paul, Twin Cities. I'm about to shake hands on Saturday with these people who have only known about me from online, and now I have the wonderful opportunity because of Drive Cartel to be able to be with these people in person I've done Chicago a bunch of times, but this is as close as this is. It's also far. Yeah. And this is its own world. And I love it. Man. I love it. Whether, whether it be having a Juicy Lucy today, well, two of them, yeah. which I don't want to eat for like two days after that. But having two Juicy Lucys with you at, at, a, at a corner bar, right? All the way to going to a basilica or going to, you know what I'm saying? A park like I told you that I saw, yeah. I was coming in and I just saw a St. Paul sign in orange in this tiny park and i'm like yo i want to just go sit there and chill out and read a book right so literally i actually i have these things that are made of paper and they like put them together oh, i damn, have two of those, those, are called. those the, you, have, you have to turn it go, i just have, like, finished the writing one see that's what i'm talking about right so no they, i'm talking about those books that don't have any pictures in them Ooh. it's just words right and you guys so i'm being sarcastic i'm having fun with it but i'm not trying to belittle any of you what i'm saying is is like um, life is what you make it, right? And we're in a time right now, my friend, where people are angry and or scared and they don't feel like they know how to live their life or life is being taken away from them. And if, if you had had any kind of mental preparation or thought process before something like this happened, you would be able to deal with it so much better than people who are experiencing these traumatic they have anxiety, they're depressed, they're angry with each other because they didn't, they didn't have any way of coping with shit before the world shut down right. or before people told them they could, couldn't, should, shouldn't talk to their neighbor, shake a hand, go to the grocery. I mean, so if, if somebody's already finding society and life difficult, yeah. I absolutely understand why people are fucking triggered. Yeah. And they're stressed out and they don't know who to like. They've been told that they should blame this group of people and all that kind of stuff. So I believe that that 
cars. A car saved my life. It, it, you know, we were talking about coming out of a, a world where if I was trying to be good at that world, I was going to die. Yep. Okay. Or I would just be incarcerated for probably life. And so cars, which were just organically, you know, were part of that whole thing. And it comes into this to a point where I decided to, to listen to people who were, who were meeting me at events, talking to me about my build in person when I used to attend every meet and show I could in Cali because there's you know, bazillions of them. And, yep. and, and, you know, that's where I got those awards and all that kind of stuff that led to, hey, can you judge this? Hey, can you speak there? Um, and so that's why one time, instead of making a brand and a podcast and a dot com and a, and a whatever that had very directly automotive words or innuendos and stuff, right? I mean, I have some designs that are automotive-inspired. But this one, for example, the shirt that I'm wearing, there's nothing automotive about this. It's the brush script. It says, thoughts become actions. Actions change the world. A version of that is thoughts become actions. Actions change your world, right? So because it's all in the way that you think. So it, it, in my podcast, in my live streams, on my IG, it, 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 with my brand and things like that, it is never about telling people what to think. It's simply giving people a way to think, and they can apply that to, to anything, right? Because the world, as we experience it, is only going to be what we allow it to be in our minds, right? So you have people who can walk down the street and wave at their neighbor and walk their dog or whatever, and they would have gotten more of a heartwarming, societally embracing, calming experience than a person who's on a beach in hawaii trying to get the sunset for instagram oh for sure okay and that, sure. Uh, there's another uh podcast episode i did called what does it really mean to travel and it's addressing that it's like it, everything ends up really being in it's like head. it's like taking pictures of fireworks okay it, if you, <laughs> it, if you it really are, is i mean that's what travel has come down to for people dude like you guys listen to me if you are in your backyard i don't care if you live in the projects i don't care if you live in an apartment or a mansion and you go outside and you watch the sunset and you think about whatever it is that's bothering you or you're happy about or you're holding the hand of someone you love it could be your mama it could be your child it could be a friend it could be someone you're trying to start a family with just follow me here wherever you are in the world you just are taking a moment to just be there with that person or, or people. You're, you didn't go anywhere. You don't have any more or less money. There's nothing different. You're just the same sunset, the same sun that rose and set, but it's where your mind is in that moment. And then if you go to a beach in Hawaii or you're in a mansion or a five-star steakhouse or a fucking yacht or whatever you see these people doing on social media and you have no the fuck idea how they could afford to do any of that, don't even ask yourself that because it isn't real, okay? Just listen to me. If you are watching the sunset through your phone, you didn't even see the sunset. You just saw your phone screen. You guys follow what I'm trying to say by that? It's like, it doesn't matter how good or how bad the world is around you. If in your head everything's bad, you're going to be angry and depressed, right? And if everything's bad and you don't know how to cope, then you're going to be super angry. And yeah, depressed. if you're always trying to be somewhere else, that's that's always a problem. And I just got back from the, the road trip with my daughter, mm -hmm. and we took the 1973 Ford Pinto Squire wagon okay. across the country. Okay. And the first couple days, um, it was about a six- or seven-day trip, and I would say the first one and two days – my daughter, who is seven, going on eight very soon, was saying, when are we going to be there? Is there a pool? Mm -hmm. Are we going to get to swim in the pool? 
Where are we going for dinner? That sounds like uh, every 27-year-old I know. And what I I pulled the car, second day, about halfway through the second day. Yeah. I pulled the car over. Literally, yeah. like, I'm going to pull this car over. Right? Yeah. I just pulled the car over. And I said, look, I want you to stop thinking about where we're going to be. Yes. This is really special. You and I are out here alone. Yes. You don't get daddy time all the time. Yes. Be here with me. Yes. Be here with me. Hang out with me. Let's do this. Let's let's be let's be now. We'll worry about later when it's later. Because look, if you're always wondering what's later, when later's here, you're still going to be worried about what's later. You know, because by the time the night would come around, she's like, "Well, where are we going tomorrow?" Right, right. And we just had this, and I tried to really simplify it because she's eight. Yeah did did her did her tiny mind get it? She got it. Oh, and the rest amazing. of the trip, she didn't ask me, "Are we going to be there or anything?" And what was funny is I brought her Nintendo along so she could play Nintendo in the car or whatever. Yes. She didn't touch the Nintendo again. Okay. She, their backpacks, she didn't bring, no coloring, no nothing. She just sat in the car. Just talked and to you. talked to me. And looked she, around. Not a lot. Not a lot of talking. You yeah. know, she just, but just arm out the window looking. Just looking. Looking yeah. around, looking at the different scenery. And, oh, look at that. Or look at this. Look at that sign. You know. Yes. And it was, it was a complete transformation of the first two days of, where are we? What are we doing? What are we going to just like not living for what we were doing right then, which was extremely special. And it's interesting. I hope it kind of transition transitions to day to day. Yeah. But do, doing that again, whenever possible, even a shorter version that that right there is, is some of the foundation that could, that could be this like so useful I really hope Profound. it sticks with her. Yeah, really that's can. why you just have to do it yeah. again. Yep, absolutely. But, it was but, something that actually seeing her get it and seeing her personality adapt, because she's a kid, so they're very adaptable. Yes. She just started to get it, and I could see just like this wave of contentment. It no, was incredible. Can you imagine what is she thinking about as a seven-year-old looking out of a window? That internal conversation needed to have happened and continue happening within each one of us since we were kids but life and and stimulus and and the 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 world it it, takes it away if you don't choose to consciously practice that i tell people you will drown out your own voice what i tell everyone and it's crude okay and it's visceral i said if you're not exploring you might as well be dead and exploring means it doesn't mean doesn't even mean take your car it means go try new food, go see yeah. new movies, go you see a play, think, go theater. Go, You've go got to think about things from ex- different perspectives and try different things. Yeah. One of the reasons why time accelerates so much as you get older is when you're young, you're having new experiences over and over and over again. And your brain has to use computing power to slow down and analyze and think and and take in and experience this new experience. As you get older, you have less and less new experiences. So your brain doesn't take the time to analyze the experience because you've had it over and over and over again. Your brain's not going to waste the computing power. It's not going to waste the energy. So then the time gets compressed and those moments just poof, they're gone because your brain deletes them. Yeah. It's not a new memory. It doesn't take up space. There's no nostalgia created. You know, it, there's nothing there. It's just this empty time. So if you're not out exploring, experiencing new things, sucking in new information, uh, it you're basically if would you watch the same movie over and over and over again? No, it would be boring, even if it was your favorite movie. So you got to be out there exploring and experiencing new things, so you can be excited about life and and slow things down a little bit. And that's kind of like the mini lesson I was giving her is, hey, 
be here, be now. But see, you know what's fascinating about that is, is you ask many people in their, I don't know, 50s, 40s, and you ask them about their 20s, and they're like, man, it was all a blur. And they're like, this is where I finally learned to appreciate life. So the journey is different for some people because sure. some people will, will, I mean, for example, for most people, high school is is one of those memories that never gets lost. Like you might not remember your what I did when I was 22 to 25, for example. Like I don't really remember if I did anything memorable. Everyone can tell you shit from high school. Right. right? Now there are people who had- very, a lot of it was painful. Right. There's a lot of people who had really bad high school mm-hmm. experiences. And then, you know, because not everyone is prom uh, king and queen. And, extremely and, painful Yeah, some people me. did not enjoy high school and- and for various reasons. But what I'm saying is, it's like you got the you got the 70 year olds, 80, 90 year olds on their deathbeds will tell you to work less and spend time with more people, eat more things, try more things. Some of the same things we're saying. And we have this. this and everybody knows it. Yeah, but people we don't, don't know it. do it. I could I could tell you right now, I could be making more money doing something else. Of course. You know, but I've, I've, I've realized that I want to spend as much time with my family. Yeah, I want to spend as much time exploring. Mm-hmm. I want to work on cars, which is something I like to do. I love learning things about cars. It's kind of my exploration a little yeah. bit, I guess. Yeah. Um, although doing the same thing over and over again sucks when you can't figure something out. But I love exploring and experiencing new things. I, for me, a lot of it is travel in cars. I think cars yeah. are great because you can see a, a huge volume of things for an entire volume of time. Yeah. You know, nothing's better than a car for that. You know, you can take a plane somewhere, but you missed everything. That's that's a different conversation. So for me, it's car exploration. That's what I do. That's how I see and experience new things. And my goal, and I think one of the reasons why I get so frustrated with like the the cheap thrills that people get on social media and they get tons of followers, because I feel like my message is really good. And I'm trying my my best to get people to get out there and explore. And I've gotten a lot of messages or hey, I bought a car. You know, I went on a road trip with my dad. Yeah. I hadn't talked to him in forever. It changed my life. Thank you. Yep. yep. And I get stuff like that all the time, you know, yeah. different variations of that. And I really appreciate what you do. Thank you. I, you know, my wife died and I've really leaned on what you've, what you've taught me in terms of going out and I, you know, I go travel, I did road trips with my brother, whatever. A lot of people do road trips based on what I am imparting on them. Okay. And I wish, I really wish I could have millions of people hear that message versus some crappy garbage vapid junk that i see on social media and i think that's what makes me angry is that i'm not able to impart the important message because there's too much shit in the way i feel like i'm in this dark murky room like there's all these people in here but i can't see them and they're and it's dark and i'm trying to grab their arm and yell and scream at them but they're the music's too loud and and okay, I, th- you know what is, i mean i do know what you mean on a very real uh personal level because i i I can I can empathize with that um, because I feel the same way t- with 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 certain things that are going on and some of the messages I get um, that make me that make me realize that and you know the thing is is that what you what I would say to you is is that um, aspiring to that I would stay with that aspiration but I think that maybe you need to. Um, you need to integrate one reality is, and that is, is that there are many people who don't want to hear that. People don't always want to hear positive. That causes too much thought. If you have not been in tune with something long enough, you're not going to want to hear something that makes you have to acknowledge that you don't know something. Or, or that take you, a risk. Or perhaps you've been doing something wrong. People are afraid. What's wrong with being wrong? 
nothing. But people won't acknowledge it, right? Yeah, or they have to take a risk and do something, and that's... Maybe ooh. I need to just change this whole thing up. And so whether that's comfort and familiarity, whether that's fear, right? They're just flat out afraid to, to admit or to try something else. I, I can't quite say. But what I've realized is, is that there are many people who don't want to hear what you have to say in the context of depth and profundity and and so on and so forth. So when someone like you or someone like myself has this message and we're just like, I really, really wish more people would listen. I just try to do my best to, to feel like when I go to sleep at night that I, I, I did something that if it's just one person positively and profoundly affected them. And of course I wanted to reach more people, but without starting to get very gray with your ethics, business ethics, mm-hmm. and the way that you are willing to take in benefactors or or disseminate that information, because the 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 business plan, the business methodology is there, but if it doesn't if it doesn't sit well with you on a moral or ethical standpoint, on from a principle, being a person of principle, your principles, then I would say... Then you're just turning into a politician. If you are doing <laughs> everything that you're doing, staying true to what you believe, whether you're right or not, is not the point. That's for everyone's evolution and growth. But but if you are staying true to doing things the way that you believe is right, then you are successful by the very definition of it. If you think that, okay, I, I, I like that, thanks, Big Mike, that sounds great, but I need to make more money then that's something that each person has to fight with amongst themselves, right? So you take my follower account uh, number based upon people I know who have been doing stuff for far shorter period of time. They have double, triple, quadruple what I have. And sometimes there's nothing uh, there's nothing more difficult to embrace that it's simply using the platform more. All of these platforms are designed for you to never get off of them. You're supposed right. to post in the various ways a bunch of times. So you also have to be Speaking okay. Speaking of that, we've been at this for like two hours. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a, and it's been an amazing conversation, but at some point we've got to. I didn't even know. We've got to reel it back Because some people got I like have a, a clock. Otherwise, you know, otherwise yeah. I wouldn't know either. Some people got one that's, you know, visible to both sides or whatever. Yeah. So I nah, would that would have helped. Nah, that would have helped because I would have been like, oh. No, we're good, man. I think it was a great conversation. I. I hope that people can take something away from it, and I hope they um, go check out the Think Bigger po- uh, podcast yeah. and and take a listen to some of the stuff there if you like the conversation that we had. And I hope that you, you know, spread this podcast too because we've got a great message that yeah. I think people could would love to hear. And you know, we don't always harp on the explore thing, but it's sure. something that's kind of foundational with what we do. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it really matters to us. And and I think you've had a lot of good messages today. Yeah, Chris, I appreciate it, man. I mean, it's just one of those things where, like you said, I didn't realize it had been that long. And if you hadn't said anything, I suppose it would have just kept, continued rolling. It'd be dark out. Dude, it's not even raining anymore. We yeah. went through an entire thunderstorm <laughs> during the course of this podcast. You know, I, like, I appreciate it, man. I mean, my the Think Bigger podcast is, is just a branch of the Think Bigger project. It's just a facet of it. And there's sayings and credos and mottos and logos that that are just all meant to to do that kind of thing and you know the way that you guys do this podcast the the manner upon which you present it even like i was telling you before we started this space that you utilize it's very very beautiful 
decor wise, space wise, the the automotive influences, etc. But I mean, that's that's kind of a testament. You're not just putting out your message; you're going about it in this in this organized, structured um, fashion. It's even I find it to be artistic the way that you guys do. You know, you can still come out on the rally if you want. Um, if I'm able to, I absolutely yeah. will. Uh, we, we can add you on later. I had we'll, a couple we'll, of car builds, both my own and for I have one for a client, like a very major build for a client right now. And because of like global shortages and things like titanium, yeah, it, there's a very unobtainium is now a real thing. It's, it's a, <laughs> I'm having a very difficult time. Yeah. Um, and then there's some some uh, corporate delays and things like that. There's a lot of economical backlash. Yeah. Well, it's okay you know, if you so. can't make it. You can't make it. Guys, I would like I, to. I really, really appreciate uh, you listening, and and Mike, thanks for coming to hang out with us. I really appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having me. All right, take care, guys. We'll see you next week. Oberk is your source of professional detailing compounds and supplies that is research tested and developed by professional detailers themselves. These are the guys that are actually passionate about detailing and know firsthand what makes a good product. And they truly are great products. I love it's a simple, foolproof two-step system, easy, and gives an amazing finish. And right now, they're offering a whopping 20% off your order when you use the code OVERCREST. The discount code is good not only on OBERCCARCARE.com, but also on DetailedImage.com and CarSuppliesWarehouse.com. Please go check them out today. super weird what did he come in for he wanted to t- he his he was didn't have his key to get into his place and he was super high as fuck but like, like weed high or like yeah. crack high okay weed, well, high. weed high right. and i'm like dude i don't have a key what makes you think i have a key to your to your place, to your place? like i don't know man i was just checking what <laughs> <laughs> right. does he think you're the superintendent or what i don't know i mean you got the corner spot <laughs>